today on the Dental Experience Podcast. We're really going to bust it loose. Columbus is an entrepreneur. Hey, I'm going to start this practice from scratch. No pain, no gain. I'd like to make an appointment. Well, there's only one problem. You know, no one believed him. You don't always get that with venture capital. Pick up some, some coconuts. Never mind. It's way too late for me. Here, here's why we're doing this. These are the goals. Boom, you've got access to your, your software. That's right. And that's what I like about Columbus. Columbus. This. this this is the Dental Experience Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Vett. Oh, Columbus sailed the ocean in 1492. Well, thank you for listening. I am excited to be back with another episode of the Dental Experience Podcast. I have today with me a really special guest, Andy Jensen. Andy is a veteran of dental technology. He's been in this space since 93, uh, when he first joined the Dentrix Dental Systems as just a technical writer and really made that the best-known brand of dental software. In 2009, he joined with Curve Dental, and Curve Dental grew to be a really disruptive force in the dental industry. Since then, he successfully exited Curve Dental and is now contributing regularly to dental economics, and that's actually why I have him on the show today. It's interesting in his article back in July in Dental Economics, he mentioned Christopher Columbus and how Christopher Columbus was an entrepreneur and just kind of how that relates to dental software and being in the cloud and all of that. And so in honor of Columbus Day today, I wanted to have him on board, not to mention he's actually a big history buff, so he knows a lot about history and we'll we'll explore leadership styles of some of the early explorers. But Andy, welcome on board. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you, Ryan. Of course. And we were talking a little bit before we, we launched the recording, and uh, it seems like we have some similar background. You were born in Samoa, right? That's correct. Yeah, born in Samoa. 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 Am I saying that right? Samoa. Yes. Samoa. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it, it's interesting because you were born there and you were there till about four, and your your father was a teacher over there. Similar to to my mom and uh, my grandfather, they, they went to Hong Kong. My, my grandfather was a, a teacher as well, and my mom was born in Hong Kong. So you both were born overseas and now you're back home. Yes. Uh, people, you know, when I tell people I'm, I'm Samoan, I obviously am the skinniest, uh, widest Samoan there is. Um, that's for sure. But I am, <laughs> I am Samoan. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I want to uh, first hear a little bit about your, your article that you had in Dental Economics and the, mm-hmm. the interesting connection you made between Columbus and dental technology. It was a, a wonderful article you wrote, and I, I thought that would be very appropriate for Columbus Day today. Well, yeah, sure. Look, you know, Columbus, uh, the, the people think of Columbus as an explorer, and he certainly was an explorer in the factual sense of the word. But the, the real thing here is Columbus is an entrepreneur. He came from a merchant family and, um, you know, wanted to make like anybody else, wanted to support his family in a in a, in a a very fine fashion. So Columbus started looking around and he said, you know what, uh, everything points to uh, that just around the just across the horizon, over the Western horizon, China is right there. And instead of sailing down south around the uh, the Cape of uh the Horn of Africa and and getting to uh, the East Asia that way, if I just sail west directly from Portugal, I'm going to hit China on the other side. Um, that would save people, uh, you know, many, many months of travel. And uh, as a result of his exploration, the Columbus saw that he'd be able to 
um, you know, get a lot of, uh, make a lot of money that way as well. Well, there's only one problem, you know, no one believed him. Um, and I think that in today's world, entrepreneurs are the same way. They have this idea that, you know, if they do this or that or whatever, that uh, things will work out and they'll, they'll make their millions. And so right. you have entrepreneurs who will go to um, investors and, and they'll have their slide deck and they'll have yep. their handouts and they'll go, hey, um, you know, you give me this much money and um, we're really going to bust it loose. So Columbus, I think, did the same thing, uh, you know, back in the day in 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 Spain and Portugal, he probably strutted the stage of many different platforms and many different places and and extolled his vision that China was just around just about just over the western horizon and uh, you can imagine him strutting that stage with a, a microphone headset on and and a slide <laughs> clicker in his hand um so you know he he was successful i mean everyone he talked to he said hey I really think that China is just over the horizon. And if you'll give me three boats and, and a crew, I'll prove it to you. Well, finally, someone did, you know, believe him. And, and that was the, uh, uh, you know, that was the king and queen. And, and they gave him three boats, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, as everyone knows. Um, and, and over the horizon, he, he went, um, he felt quite confident of what he was doing, that, that China was, right there and it was easy pickings and he would own the trade routes and he'd be able to you know levy uh what's the word a royalty on on everyone who used his routes and, and that type of thing right um right so as we all know that didn't turn out to be the case and in the end columbus uh unfortunately uh um retired only because he's able to only because the the royalty was a little bit um you know, showed a little bit of mercy on him and provided a, provided a stipend for him to live, so he wouldn't die a, a poor man. But yeah, and you don't always get that with venture capital uh, today. <laughs> yes, and he did use venture capital, right? I mean, it was the queen's money. The queen is the one that really believed in in what he was doing. And you know, his first voyage when he came back, he he certainly showed promise. I mean, he did bring some some gold back and and some other things. Um, and there was promise that there were riches there. Um, and if you fast forward um, another couple hundred years after that, when Cortez, you know, reached the the coast of Mexico, I mean, he certainly sent um, millions of dollars back to the queen. And um, in the end, Columbus was uh, vindicated for his belief that there was was money there. It wasn't China, but it certainly was. Um, there rich. was something there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's talk about a couple things. First of all, in, in a minute, we're going to get to dental software and just the importance of technology and maybe some tips and tricks you have in recommending when practices look at implementing new technology from uh, something simple to something as fundamental as their practice management system. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about startups. Uh, you and I have both done software startups and had our exciting time with that. There's a lot of people doing dental startups now, and I think uh, startups are really exciting because they're sort of trendy. They're sort of a fad. Um, they've been around for a long time, but people want to do this startup because it's exciting. It's this adrenaline rush, and usually, like yourself, like myself, people who have done startups, we have to go back and do more. It's in our nature. We get excited, and I think you see that with Columbus, an adventurer, talk about an adrenaline rush going to where people thought he was going to fall off the end of the earth. I mean, mm-hmm. he definitely had some courage Courage there. I would love to hear just a little bit, a uh, big picture about maybe some recommendations you have for dental startups in particular, someone that is saying, hey, I'm going to start this practice from scratch. And, and maybe we can use the framework of Columbus in honor of Columbus Day and, and your knowledge of Columbus. But what are what do you think are some important lessons that 
we can take away from the life of Columbus or just your experiences in the dental industry over the past 20 years or so? Sure. Well, as I said in the article in in the Dental Economics of July issue, um, the the most important the Columbus didn't know this at, at the time, but two of his ships were Portuguese caravels, which means that the the, the that the sailing in the rig, the sails in the rig were not square; they were actually triangular, which meant that they could sail into the wind at a uh, at a lower degree than a square rig square rigged um, ship. They also had a, a hmm. shallower draft. And and that proved to be very helpful in the new world um, because the winds weren't always favorable. Um, so they could sail into the wind, and then a shallower draft would allow them to actually sail up rivers um, and and do more exploring that way. Um, so when Columbus did get to the new world, uh, he quickly learned that the Nina and the Pinta were highly maneuverable, and the Santa Maria sometimes had to be left out in the bay Interesting. Anchored because they couldn't get where the other two ships were. Now, Cortez learned a lot from that. So he learned that, look, if I'm going to the New World, I the, the one thing that I can't change out is my ships. So he made sure he, choo- he chose caravels. And what I mean by he couldn't ch- switch out ships is, look, you know, if he ran out of food, he could stop in Cuba or, or whatever and pick up some, some coconuts and, and, and fresh water right. and you know he, he's good. Uh, if if a crew member tur- uh, turns out to be not so great, <laughs> you know they leave him on an island. But the one thing they couldn't switch out right. was the ship. So um, starting a new practice is the same way. Um, other than your location, one of the most important things that you need to choose is your software because everything about your practice, its health, and monitoring its health, and growing um, the practice. Uh, comes from the data that you're going to collect through that practice management software. Um, I think it's I think it's kind of funny where you will see doctors um, and and their team that they'll 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 stress and fret over paint chips for days and days and days trying to figure right. out we're we going to get the right color is this the right color for the for the front desk? But when it comes to software, you know they'll choose whatever. I, I don't think they spend as much time on on making that decision they should, and sometimes they probably yeah. listen to a dealer who, um, you know, they've known their dealer for for twenty twenty years, and they say, "I need software," and the dealer says, "I got you covered." Um, you know, I'm not I'm not saying the dealer is acting in bad faith. I'm just saying that the doctor should probably do a little bit more research. Um, make sure they're getting the right practice management software and the right technology. Absolutely. So what are some of the the key items? I, I know a lot of people, especially when it comes to practice management software, will make decisions often on price um, as kind of a first, you know, that's their first gate. And if they can't get past that, they automatically check out the next one. Uh, what are some of the key things that you think a practice should look at uh, in trying to find the best practice management solution uh, for them to use? Well, I, I think the first thing they look at they need to look at is platform. Now, I might be a little biased about platform. What I mean about platform is cloud-based versus server-based. I mean, server-based has been around forever. Um, shoot, I I joined Dentrix in '93. There were 225 customers uh, at the time. There's now, I think, 30,000. A couple more than that. Right? A couple yeah. more than that. <laughs> but you know, the the you know, it was based. It's a server-based application, and and so it's technology that's what twenty some odd years old, right? Um, I, I'm not saying it doesn't work, or it's. I'm just saying that it's it's old and outdated, and it's outdated. Yeah. Because, so could we talk? 
just for those who don't know, could we maybe address what server-based means versus cloud-based? Because I know those are buzzwords, and I think maybe having an understanding would help, you know, be able to form some decisions. So if you if you look at cloud uh, uh, server based application, I mean, I'm just using Dentris as an example. I mean, it's it's fine right. software. Um, you know, when you purchase Dentrix, you have to install the software on, on all your computers, your server, and all of your workstations. All that needs to be, needs to be maintained. You have to worry about well, yeah, you have to worry about a data backup, right? You don't want you know, right. to don't want to walk around with your source down, backup, right? Um, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, so you have to have a server in the practice in order for that software to function correctly. On the other hand, cloud-based is when you purchase a cloud-based application, there is nothing to install. You simply navigate to a particular website, uh, put in your username and password, and boom, you've got access to your, your software and uh, and your and your patient data and you can do that from anywhere in the world from any location as long as you right. have an internet connection you can access your patient data so no server is required you don't need to worry about backup because the servers that are hosting all that data uh is should be and and usually is in a professionally managed data center that's you know physically secured digitally secured and professionally managed so that's that's the difference between cloud and and uh, server. It's like you know, d- does anyone when they do an online banking or when you buy from Amazon shop on Amazon, do you install software to do that? You don't. You just navigate no, to Amazon.com right. and and you do your thing. So that's the difference. Well, I think that's really important. So definitely a fundamental piece of finding the right practice management software is first determining whether you think you want to go server-based or cloud. You know, most of my time in the technology space has been more cloud-based. There's there's a lot of benefits to it, and it's mm-hmm. it's newer, and but it's not so new anymore where you need to be scared of it. I know early on, security risks were a huge issue, and people were concerned about all sorts of maybe vulnerabilities that would occur if you were on the cloud. Mm-hmm. But I would say, and I think you being in the dental space in particular and having to worry about some more regulations and HIPAA and things like that, the the cloud's no longer a, a unsafe space, correct? No, I, I don't think it's an unsafe space because you and I use it every day. I mean, yeah, you hear about, you know, tens of thousands of people got their their personal information uh, is at risk because, because, you know, Target was hacked or whomever. I mean, we hear about those things, but, um, you know, I, I've been on the list of uh, Target customers whose data may have been affected, but I've not, um, I, I've not been adversely affected by that. Right. Um, you don't read in the news uh, the number of, of dental practices has been hacked by, you know, by some Russian guy. Right. Because here's the reason. Look, in in order for that Russian guy, and, and could be any country, right? In order for that hacker to get into that uh, practice management system, cloud-based practice management system, it's going to take a significant amount of time. And like any criminal, they're going to weigh how much time it's going to take me to do something versus the return on that time. And frankly, there's not a whole lot of data inside uh, a doctor's um, patient database that is going to that, that that hacker can sell and, and, and make up for the time they right. put into it. Well, let's get back to Columbus and his, his journey and talk about back to the dental startup. So practice management software is obviously fundamental. You, you talked about the importance of team briefly. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you could throw someone on an island if you know they 
they weren't uh, ideal for your ship's crew. <laughs> but I, I think team's an important uh, aspect of uh, a dental startup for sure and making sure your team has adequate training and making sure your team is bought into your vision uh, of your dental startup. But a big part of that is your team's usually the one using some sort of practice management software. That behavior change or that ability to get someone bought into a new software changing, if you do switch from whatever you're doing now to what you're going to do tomorrow, what are some tips that, based on your experiences that you've seen, that can really help get a whole team or a whole office on board to utilizing a new software that's ultimately better for them, but they don't want to change, so they don't care if it's better? Oh, wow. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story of um, the doctor uh, wants to to move to the cloud, wants to move to new practice management software because they see the vision of, of how much um, smaller that technology footprint is going to be for them and how much more effective and how much more uh, how much time and dollars they'll save with a smaller technology footprint. But they have an office manager that's been using uh, you know, practice works often or, or Dentrix for years and years and years, and they don't want to switch. Uh, you know, that's right. all they know. Mm, and I've seen doctors do two things. Either they, they go, you know what, I'm, I'm the CEO, I'm the president of this practice. This is the vision and we will move forward with that vision. And then I've seen other doctors cave to an office manager who says, I will not use that software. I will not learn something new. Um, and 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 that's you know that's that's sad <laughs> because there's so much more yeah, to gain. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, no pain, no gain. Change requires right. change, and it does require somebody to to change the way that uh, they've been doing something for years and years and years. Yeah, and I think one of the best the best ways to really manage that change is explain the benefits because ultimately, a lot of the newer practice management software upgrades or updates make it easier for the team. It's a better user experience, better user interface, and it's ultimately better for them. So kind of explaining why, you know, as a doctor, why you've chosen this for the practice and why ultimately you think it's best for the practice, not just because it's a, a business decision, but because it's actually easier for the team, I think is a huge component of trying to integrate new technology. Yeah, the doctor needs to, uh, as you said, Ryan, the doctor needs to set here. Here's why we're doing this. These are the goals. These is this is what this is new software is going to deliver for us. Now that doesn't mean there's there's not going to be pain. I've been through, you know, personally, I've been through a couple of uh, changes in CRM software that uh, that were used to track our, uh, customers and. Look, you know, we, we would complain about one software and then we move to new software and then we complain about the new software saying, well, it's so easy to do it in the old software. But you right. have to look at it from a holistic point of view as, yeah, um, this may have been easier here, but we need to remember the overall goal is this. And, and, right. and this is more important than where we were. And we and yeah, let's just work through that and get there. Absolutely. Well, I want to take just a minute out of this conversation. There's a, a great technology that we featured on the show before. It is a call recording and tracking software that uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to analyze calls. So we're actually going to go ahead and listen to a real patient phone call and uh, hear what the software has to say about that. So uh, we'll continue this conversation about dental startups in Columbus right after this. The call you are about to hear is a recording of an actual call that occurred between a real patient and a real practice. In some cases, the names or voices have been altered or changed to protect the identity of the caller. Thank you for calling 123 Smiles. My name is Susan. How can I brighten your smile? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, hi. Um, I'd like to make an appointment uh, uh, for the first time. It's a first time visit. All right, let me see. The next availability would be, well, towards the middle of September. Oh. Or I do have one in two weeks on August 15th at 1025. Oh. oh. Never mind. It's way too late for me. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Well, once again, that was another amazing call uh, submitted to us by Patient Prism. I've got the CEO of Patient Prism uh, with me today. Amol, thank you so much for being on the show once again uh, to share one of these calls. Uh, this call is just amazing. It's just a couple lines, and this guy's calling in to book a first-time appointment. And to put some context around the call, this was the the availability given was as far as six eight weeks out. I mean, this is this is not like he was offering something a couple weeks from now. So, uh, um, let's talk a little bit about this call, and then we can get into what Patient Prism does and why this was flagged in your system. Absolutely, and and, and you know, Patient Prism analyzed this call um, and and sent some feedback, so we can discuss that. But you know, to give your listeners a a flavor of what Patient Prism does is it really is a is a call analyze a call analytics kind of call tracking call intelligence platform that allows dental practices to understand uh, what is happening with with the conversations that prevent patients from making an appointment. And if the patient doesn't make an appointment, uh, our our combination of machine learning, artificial intelligence, and human coaches sitting here in Tampa uh, will provide that feedback uh, to the to the dental office within one hour telling them exactly what went wrong and without having to listen to that conversation. Um, in, in, and we are able to visualize that. We're able to visualize the problems and also provide solutions through learning videos uh, that are attached to that alert uh, to be able to, you know, call that patient back and make that, you know, uh, uh, you know have a second chance at making that first impression. That's great. Well, let's dive into this call in particular and see uh, this patient's trying to make a first-time appointment. And what happens? What happens? You know, it's 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 funny. Uh, we've heard this scenario uh, take place thousands of times over 1.2 million phone calls, where patient calls in and they don't have any availability for the next six weeks. Now, number one, uh, we we said the first first and foremost uh, goal is build a relationship with the patient, find the patient's name, ask how they found out about us. And and we don't know what this caller needs. This might be a, a, a full denture a hybrid implant case. This could be a fifty thousand dollar patient. Right. Uh, so it's really important to kind of first build a relationship. Um, again, the important thing to also remember is that the goal the goal of this phone call is to listen, to ask questions, and offer solutions, and then and then not move to the appointment very quickly. Right? Very very important and and framing your response in a positive way uh, is very also important that you don't have availability in the next six weeks. Uh, you want to say that you know what, let's schedule you for the time we have available, but we usually have cancellations and stuff like that. So we would like to squeeze you in, but also ask them why does he need right? What what what's going on? Ask them if they're in discomfort. Empathize with them. Uh, start building the trust. Talk about the office a lot. Now we have we know we don't have an appointment, so let's talk about all the positive things that are important and that are relevant to this. That we have an amazing doctor, amazing office, uh, patients. You know the reason why we have we can get you in because uh, so many of this community 
wants to see our doctor, right? And that's right. again, it's important to turn that negative into a positive, um, and and that's why it's worth the wait, right? If but if you have an emergent need, we want to make sure we do have something in our slots. Hopefully, we do uh, to to get some C emergencies, and we want to take care of that discomfort first, and then then schedule it when we can give you the right time uh, for this because we believe in high-quality dentistry and that's why we schedule the right amount of time with the patient so that we can deliver the best quality care at an affordable price. That's the conversation. It's really, really important. Now, if you're part of a dental support organization, if you have multiple locations, you have a group dentist, then it's really important to find out whether uh, any other office any other sister office may have that appointment. So that's also being important to remember if you have group practices. That's good. Um, and and then, then the bigger problem here, the overarching problem is, is, is it really true? If you can't schedule a patient within the first two, in two weeks, then you should not be marketing, number one. Right. right. Uh, because you're wasting that money. Right. Uh, and number two, maybe you should think of capacity expansion. Uh, that's also important. Do you have more room to, for operatories? And, and that's one of the things we do at Patient Prism when we do those monthly phone calls with our clients. We will highlight a call like this and we'll ask them, how many operatories do you have, doctor? It's only four. And, and now we have like five patients who have called in and we can't get them in. Hmm. We, is it? Do you have room to, to grow uh, at another operatory? Right? Do you have a room to, you know? So so that's that's, again, an important business conversation that we have because of the data that we get from Patient Prism. Absolutely. Well, Mole, I want to thank you so much for, A, donating this call to the show, as well as reviewing it and really giving our, our listeners some good insights into how they can avoid similar conversations and make sure they book those appointments. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Ryan. This was great. This call and its analysis is brought to you by Patient Prism. Learn more in the show notes at www.thedentalpodcast.com. Well, Andy, I appreciate you joining me after uh, listening to that call. It's really uh, fascinating to always hear how calls can be analyzed with machine learning and artificial intelligence. We were just talking earlier on this episode about how difficult it can be to get a practice to buy in to new technology, uh, especially one that listens listens to and analyzes calls. Um, yeah, I thought that as was you really can imagine. I thought that was really interesting. Um, there's so many different applications there, obviously, and again, it's just one more example of uh, new technology coming out that. Uh, we, that a practice really needs to be open to to those types of things. And, and um, yeah, it requires learning, but I think there's a benefit at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you were talking about Cortez a little bit earlier, and I know it's Columbus Day, but uh, you said Cortez is actually, there's a lot of misconceptions about him, and he's an extraordinary leader. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about his leadership style and how some of those things uh, that you're about to talk about really work well within the dental practice and being a dental leader in the industry. Yeah, well, let's let's make sure. I mean, let's let's preface this conversation by all agreeing that Cortez was. I mean, you don't want Cortez to babysit your kids. I mean, he was Correct. a ruthless gentleman. <laughs> um, he had only one goal, and that was to be a very very rich man, and he would not let anything stand in the way of getting him there. So let's make sure we're clear on that. I'm not advocating uh, by using him as an example. I'm not. I'm certainly not advocating that we all go out and Absolutely. initiate genocide or anything like that. That that's that's horrible. But there are some things we can learn from Cortez. Um, and when it comes to software, uh, you know, we were earlier talking about uh, a staff that may not be so enamored about uh, the new technology as, as the doctor. 
But the doctor can set uh, a tone for change by by pointing that team toward the goal of we want to become more efficient, we want to become uh, be able to do things faster, easier, save dollars, and serve our patients better. And the only way we can do that is to abandon what we're using now. Now, when Cortez arrived in the New World, um, you know, uh, the story goes that he burned his ships when he reached the New World and his men were thus more motivated to succeed. Um, he mm-hmm. didn't burn his ships. He scuttled them, uh, brought them up on, on shore, and then pulled out the, the bottom and, and scuttled the, the ships so they couldn't be – it would take a lot of work to get those ships um, floating and, and back out to sea. Um, but he didn't burn them. But anyway, that obviously motivated his men. And he set a precedence that, guys, we're here for one purpose and there's no going back. Um, I kind of like that uh, when a doctor makes that precedent, that that statement that we're not going back. We're going to make this work. And I have seen doctors um, tell their team that, and they've been sex- successful in, in that regard. So I, I like that from Cortez. Now, Cortez um, actually was a very conniving guy, too. Um, he was very tactful, and uh, from a political sense, the guy would, would probably do very well in, in modern politics. Um, so when he meets Montezuma, he uh, – he sets it all up so that Montezuma, that he could take over Montezuma's kingdom with with uh, almost no bloodshed. Um, he he hmm, leverages than what we believe. Correct. He leverages um, relationships and he imprisons certain people and and makes threats and stuff. But Cortez saw that if he could if he could take over Montezuma's kingdom without bloodshed, that there would that the you know the score would be incredibly huge. He would have this incredibly lively uh, kingdom would be his, um, and there would be no bloodshed. Um, when you read about descriptions of Montezuma's um, kingdom, uh, it's, it's fascinating what they had accomplished. Um, it rivaled anything that you would find in Europe at the time, in terms of technology mm. and the use of water and and all those types of things. It was really incredible. So Cortez saw that value and and the new and set up a plan to, to take it without bloodshed. But uh, unfortunately, one of his lieutenants uh, disobeyed orders, and uh, there was a little bit of a confrontation, and one thing led to another, and suddenly there was months and months of bloodshed and in the end everything was destroyed and uh cortez's vision of being able to um you know keep the kingdom as it was uh turned out not to happen at all wow and i think there's a lot of valuable things to learn in that story i think the first of of which was how you started off the story i mean cortez's goal was to get rich and i think a lot of times when we put money in front of patient experience or our team's experience uh, no matter where you are in the dental industry that can often uh, lead you astray, even if you have the best intentions, even if you want to take the political route and you know try to befriend people and all of that. At some point, if your main driver is money, whether that's not wanting to spend money on a new system that might be better for everybody or you know wanting to make so much money that you're willing to do anything to get that and willing to cut people down your path. I mean, I think there's a lot to be learned, especially you know people that are venturing out in their new new dental startup. Startups are hard. It's like a voyage across the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, different issues today because we've got you know the the air conditioning and uh, <laughs> we're not stuck on a ship for weeks and months at a time. But 
at the same time, there are circumstances that are going to occur in any startup, whether it's a dental practice startup, whether it's a startup that's doing technology or devices or whatever it is that are just really hard to go through. And being someone that puts your team first above the money or the reward at the end of it, I think you win every time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, an in, in inclusive leadership style, right? Um, yes, I'm I'm the one that's painting the vision as a leader of the practice. I'm the one that's painting that vision, but I'm I'm gathering people around me who share in that same vision and making right. sure that our decisions are inclusive. And um, you know, it's it's you know, any any leader that can see the strengths in each one of their team members and then leverage those strengths to uh, move the practice forward. Um, you know, that's a cool thing because if, if you're, if you're leveraging somebody's strength, that means that, that it's because of them that the practice is successful and everyone walks away uh, as a winner. The person that, um, you know, provided an idea or has a special skill set uh, walks away going, Hey, I did that. Um, and it, uh, it fosters loyalty and everyone's going to succeed. That's a practice you want to be a part of. Absolutely. And it's a practice patients want to be a part of too. I mean, that's contagious. People can see yes. that environment and that culture. Yeah. You walk yeah. into a practice, you can immediately, if there's, if there is a toxic atmosphere, you can immediately feel that, you know, the icy cold between, oh, yeah. between team members. But uh, man, there's a practice here locally that, um, phenomenal doctor uh and uh his team is is the same way they're all just exceptional people in what they do and you can just feel the the genuine concern for each other mm. yeah that's something you want to yeah. come visit often oh absolutely and, and i think it's so neat and that doesn't have to come at a price that's free that's just treating people the mm. way you'd want to be treated and i think that is uh something that we often forget in the pursuit of money or making business decisions that at the end of the day, all of our decisions impact somebody. And I think that's a, a really neat philosophy and a lesson. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate your time today on today's episode. Do you have any, I know you're extremely well read on biographies. Do you have like a favorite Christopher Columbus tidbit that we might not know in honor of Columbus Day or a, a biography that we should go pick up? Any any last thoughts on Columbus or his voyage? Uh, you know, uh, I've I've read biographies on Columbus. Uh, I, I have to say that Captain Cook is probably my favorite early explorer. Interesting thing there is uh, Captain Cook's uh, ship, um, which I can't remember the name. I think we're on the same endeavor, but I don't think that's correct. Actually, you know, his his ship was square rigged, and it had an average speed of about three knots. Columbus sailed on the Nina and the and the, the the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. His average speed was six knots. Uh, think about oh, that. Wow. If if Cook could have been traveling, used a caravel and been traveling at six knots, you know he would have he would have cut his his uh, travel period in half. Um, so wow. interesting, in interesting uh, comparison. That really is. How how long was the voyage for Columbus? Do you know that? I, I feel like I should know from history. I think it was four to six weeks. Wow. That's a long time to be on a boat. Uh, that's a well, long that's, cruise. that's four to six weeks after he sailed. He first sailed south uh, to the, uh, I want to say the Azores, and used that as a stage and then used the prevailing winds to help him uh, go west. Um, and then quickly found out that if after he reached the, the West Indies, the um, Cuba and Hispanola, that if he sailed north, 
after that a ways that then he would catch some prevailing winds heading east and and it uh uh made his voyage go a lot faster of course that was all stuff that they just had to figure out on their own right right well and that's what a dental startup's like too a lot of times you have to find things out on your own thankfully there's great forums and online educational places as well as shows that you can go to to make sure that you are up to date with the latest and greatest but it's hard you, there's decisions that you won't know you have to make until you're you're in the uh, thick of it. That's right. And that's what I like about Columbus is here's a man who had a, a vision of what could be. And you know what? He bucked everyone else and, and bucked all the, the current common sense and the current uh, beliefs. And he just set sail and he figured it out as he went along. I think we can all learn a lot from that is if you have a vision of, of what of something you want to accomplish in life, Set your sails, go for it, and and make it happen. Yeah, there's going to be things that you need to figure out along the way, but um, you can make it happen. I love that. Well, on that note, Andy, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, and that brings us to the end of our time here. But thank you so much. It's been great having you on. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dental Experience Podcast. For show notes, to ask a question, or for more information, visit www.thedentalpodcast.com. The ideas discussed during this episode are the opinions of the participants and do not serve as legal, financial, or clinical advice. Until next time, this is the Dental Experience Podcast.